Welcome to Well-Defined and Wonderful, the podcast about mathematical intricacies and beauty in mathematical analysis. Hello and a very warm welcome to Well-Defined and Wonderful. And with me is Fabian from Hamburg. And Markus from Freiberg. In today's episode, we want to discuss the uniqueness part of uh, general powers. Last time we have addressed existence. So we showed or we we, we demanded that uh, general powers could be uh, defined by a to the power of x is the same as exponential of x times the logarithm of a. And now we want to show that this power is unique. In which sense, Fabian? Yeah, it, it should be unique uh, in the in the following sense that uh, we the, the wishes that we formulated before defining our our general power the way we did it in the previous episode actually does not leave any other room for other definitions that may also make sense that we may just have overlooked in our uh, our initial try to define something so we really want to make sure there is no other way to define a general power of a function if we um if we demand two essential properties. The first one that we wanted was that our general power obeys the functional equation. So um, if we have a to the x plus y, this should be the same as a to the x times a to the y. And the second thing we demanded, the second property was continuity. We wanted to have a continuous function. And what we now want to do is, if we have these two properties, then we, the, uh, yeah, then we will already have um, defined really a unique uh, general power. So maybe we, we formulate this in a, in a theorem or something that we really know what, what to do. So let's say we are given a continuous function that maps real numbers to real numbers. Let's call this function capital F. And if capital F fulfills the functional equation, f of x plus y equals f of x times f of y for all x and y from the domain of definition, which is the real numbers, then there are only two possibilities. Either our function is constantly zero or f of x equals the general power a to the y for um, a to the x sorry for some basis a which is a positive real number okay so this is the theorem asking for f continuous satisfy the functional equation then either this f is zero or a general power um the first thing uh for for proving this is just to understand that the asking for f to map into the real numbers is somewhat a red herring because the functional equation already implies that the numbers we are mapping into are rather the non-negative ones. And so we can forget about negative numbers there. And the second thing is, uh, which one immediately realizes that f of one is this, uh, times f of zero is the same as f of one. So now we have a dichotomy of cases either we have f of one is uh, 
zero to satisfy this equation, then uh, it very easily shows that f equals constant zero. So we just made a tick on the first alternative. And the second case is we ask for f of one to be non-zero, which is strictly positive because negative numbers cannot be anymore. Uh, and we call this number a. And now how, how, we, how do we proceed now for the second case? Yes, so what we now want to show is that in the second case, f of x equals a to the x for every real number x, which is a lot to take. It's, it's a very lot. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's just too many things that we would need to check. So what we do here is a very natural approach to this big problem. We do very small steps. And the first step would be to say, all right, let's start out with the natural numbers. So the ones that we are familiar with and that are nice to calculate with. And for those, we uh, don't have a problem calculating a general power, right? Given a natural number n, so we know the power a to the n, uh, what it should be as a general power. And we also can calculate f of n. So this would be, this is very nice and this is very easy to calculate. So you just actually used that n can be decomposed into 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1 and such and so on uh, for n times this number 1. Yeah, it's harmless algebra. Ex exactly. And then we use uh, the functional equation again and obtain that um, the general power uh, or the, 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 the law we expect f to, to, to satisfy is already true for natural numbers. So what is the next step? So the next bigger class of numbers that we can deal with uh, would be the integer numbers. So stepping from natural numbers to integer numbers. It's not a very big step, but it will allow us now to define something like a division, negative powers. Yes, so we actually need to, to, to understand what f of minus n is, but uh, a moment's reflection shows that this is a nothing but one over f of n. And then we can just use the, the result for the natural numbers. So the integers are done already quite, quite immediately. So what's the next step? So the next step is now we go to the next set of numbers that, uh, that we know, uh, which is the rational numbers. So fractions, yeah, fractions of integer numbers, so to say, and we do the same for these numbers. So here it gets a little bit more involved. So it's not enough to just know we have this algebraic nice property, the functional equation, we need something else. Um, so we also need to know something about taking uh, roots of numbers and the uniqueness of the roots. But we did discuss this uh, in an earlier episode um, where we talked about existence of Suprema um, of sets of real numbers. So we know that these roots are the same and with, uh, so these roots are well-defined for non-negative uh, numbers. And so we can actually use uh, what we already know from uh, the integer case that now f of x equals a of x, a to the power of x for every x being a rational number. So what's the next step, Fabian? The next step is maybe the biggest, and it's also, I think, uh, the most fascinating, at least for me, is that 
Now we skip the algebra. We have already a, a very large a set of uh, coincidence of these two values and we now use an approximation property of the rational numbers for real numbers. So in fact, the rational numbers lay dense in the real numbers, which means given a real number x, we can find or there exists a sequence xn of rational numbers that approximates this real number x. So xn in the rationals, the limit of xn is x, a real number. But for the rational numbers, we already know that uh, the general power a to the x coincides with our uh, function f of x. Uh, or yeah, for every rational number. So in particular, f of xn, if xn is a sequence element of the rationals, we know that f of xn equals a to the xn. And now the only thing to do for us is to take a limit of of these numbers and then use. So if we check what what assumptions we had on our function f and the properties that we do not want to miss from our general power to use this last property. Which is it? Um, I hope it's continuity. Yeah. Because this this enables us to um, actually uh, interchange uh, functional evaluation and limits uh, because continuous functions map conversion sequences to conversion sequences. So we know that we can do this here for function f and we also know that this, this can be done for the our general power because last time we've seen that this general power is also a continuous function. And so we get that f of x equals a to the power of x for every real number x and we've thus proved the theorem. Wow, that was a very long journey. So um, we did quite substantially use uh, all sorts of things. Can you somehow summarize this for us, Fabian? Yeah, so I still remember when we talked about a, a board of of chess and putting grains of rice on there and we had the initial motivation to to find out what how would we define a, a power of two that is not given by a natural number so we were looking for what is two to the power of the square root of two and we did a little detour via the exponential function and first introduced this very central function for uh, for calculus and from that, we dived, uh, dove into the theory of continuity, continuous functions, because the exponential function is also a continuous function. And it continuous function fulfill a lot of nice properties. One of them was the intermediate value theorem. In the end, we came up, uh, up to the point where we wanted to define the inverse of this continuous function, which was the natural logarithm. Another thing that we saw recently in the proof of the uniqueness was we also needed the existence and uniqueness of uh, positive roots of numbers. And now we found now or we completed this journey with this missing piece, which was also the, the continuity, so to say, of this, um, yeah, of this continuation of the things we already know should hold for um, general powers to this final expression that we now have. So we now finally not only know what 2 to the um, 
to the square root of two means. So we just write it down as the exponential of uh, the square root of two times the natural logarithm of two. In this journey, we also took, uh, well, the liberty to define what a to the power of x for a positive number and x a real number should be. So we have, I think, accomplished quite a lot. Yeah, that's very fantastic. And uh, I was thoroughly enjoying this whole way to actually define a to the power of b. Thank you very much, Fabian. Yeah, you're welcome. So what did we learn today? Today we saw that our definition from last time of a general power a strictly positive to the power of x, x real, wasn't as arbitrary as it might have seemed from last time. In fact, this the only choice that is continuous and satisfies a to the power of 1 equals a. Thank you.